Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. It is Alamo Bowl week. It's game week. Uh, I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined as always by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, Merry Christmas. How was your Christmas? Merry Christmas. Yeah, it was It was pretty good. Um, my my uh, parents actually came in for Christmas, which was the first time ever. And now they're stranded in Austin because of the airline issues that have happened across the country. So they will... I'm in San Antonio now. They will be at my house until January 1st now when they're supposed to leave on Tuesday, which is today, December 27th. So other Uh, than that, it's been great. How was yours? You know, no complaints. Uh, Family's good. Everybody got some presents. Uh, But more importantly, I think uh, everybody's thankful that uh, we got another year, another year to celebrate a Christmas. So um, hope everyone listening had a great uh, holiday, and I know Taylor for Texas Longhorns fans that will uh, be influenced possibly by Thursday night's Alamo Bowl game. And uh, we're here in San Antonio. It's been uh, interesting because both of these teams sound motivated. Washington, as the ten-win team on a six-game winning streak, which included a really impressive 37-34 win at Oregon, uh, come-from-behind win led by their um, Heisman finalist-worthy quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. Um, you know, they're, they feel slighted because they're the underdog in this game, and they're the 10-win team. We've, we've heard this before, right? Uh, yeah. TCU was the underdog. I mean, it, it goes on and on, but Texas also sounds motivated because um, they want to end the season on a high note, especially the Texas offense. The Texas defense sounds uh, as confident as ever, even without DeMarvian Overshone. Um, the Texas offense, however, will be without Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, two of their uh, stalwarts on offense and key team leaders. And that puts Quinn Ewers right there in that leadership role. And and he's a guy who had an up and down regular season, Taylor. Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, you know, he he's definitely going to need to step up because 
he is probably going to have to rely a little bit more on his arm. But I think the one the one probably blessing in disguise a little bit chip for Texas going into this game is that with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson being out, obviously that's going to be a massive loss, but they were not going to be returning anyway. And so now Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue get an opportunity to really step up and prepare, and Keelan Robinson too, and prepare to be the number one, number two, number three, you know, type of, uh, of back without the two kind of um, ringleaders of that, that room. And so I think that while yes, like Quinn Ewers has definitely got to step up from a leadership perspective, um, you know, without those guys that have just been massive leaders, they'll still be on the sideline. But I really think this presents, excuse me, a very prime opportunity for some of these younger guys to really get in a lot of the work that they haven't really had the opportunity to get in being, you know, the third, fourth, fifth string type of running backs. And, and in talking to Pete, or excuse me, um, to Kyle Flood and the offensive players this, uh, this week leading up to the Alamo Bowl, it really sounds like you know, things have clicked a little bit for these guys. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how Jonathan Brooks, how Jaden Blue, how Keelan Robinson really take over from being, you know, from definitely down on the depth chart to actually being the go-to guy, Chip. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how much Steve Sarkeesian trusts Jonathan Brooks, Keelan Robinson, and Jaden Blue in the running game. Uh, we know Sark had a propensity to go away from the running game, even with Bijan Robinson and uh, Roshan Johnson in the backfield. I think, uh, you know, in a couple of games where Sark regrets it. So does he uh, trust Jonathan Brooks? I do. I, I'd love to see 15 to 20 carries from Jonathan Brooks in this game. I think he's, I think he's a special talent and we just need to give him a chance and, and see for ourselves. This is a Washington defense that, um, has been a little bit inconsistent, but for the most part has been strong. 127 yards rushing uh, per game. That is, I mean, Texas has given up 123 yards rushing, and we think of the Texas defense as, uh, you know, having played some lights out football here, especially down the stretch of the season. But Washington has, Texas may lead the nation in quarterback pressures, but Washington has 35 sacks. Texas has 27. Washington averages almost three sacks a game, and that's kind of their forte. If they can get you into a one-dimensional game, they get to the quarterback. And so, you know, Sark's going to, if if he's going to throw the ball a lot, he's going to need to be really successful throwing the ball on first down. Otherwise, uh, this could be a troubling night for Texas uh, unless Sark is willing to uh, give Jonathan Brooks uh, – you know, some carries and, and see what he can do. See if he can establish the run early, early in this game. Cause I think it's a big game for Quinn Ewer's confidence. He's, he's had 15 bowl practices, Taylor. That's, that's an entire spring football. There should be notable growth. He should be comfortable. The mechanics should be cleaned up. Um, you know, 15 practices is a ton. And that's why these bowl games are so valuable. Yeah, and that's something that Texas did not have last season. And I, I think you're spot on when you talk about, you know, Quinn Ewers and him being one of the guys that really could have benefited. And you want to see it, though, on the field, I think. And and I will say one thing with Quinn Ewers. 
you know, obviously the the final stretch of the season were probably some games that he'd like to have back and some performances um, in that stretch that he would like to have had back. But I still kind of go back to when he was self-evaluating himself later on in the regular season. And he acknowledged, you know, he's got to clean up his footwork. He's got to work on that. And, and what Steve Sarkeesian, the way he approaches the bowl practices is kind of almost like the start at the very beginning, at least kind of like the start of spring ball, you know, getting back to the basics, getting back to the fundamentals, working on the fundamentals, working on the techniques. And Kyle Flood on Tuesday was talking a lot about that from the offense as a whole. And I really think that he can benefit substantially from that. But at the end of the day, you want to see it a little bit cleaner. And that may be an unfair thing to probably put on him considering the two most valuable offensive playmakers and producers for the offense this season will not be on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be uh, Quinn Ewers talked a lot today about the mental toughness required to play quarterback at Texas, and he's been through the ups. He's been through the downs. We've talked about this before here on the flagship podcast. He's never been part of the problem like he was this year with in the games against Oklahoma State, TCU, where uh, and the TCU game certainly was a universally bad night for the entire offense, uh, dropped passes, uh, missed blocking assignments, penalties. Um, so, you know, Quinn Ewers has had some high highs, uh, Oklahoma. He talked about that. He talked about how after the Oklahoma state loss, he realized I got to really, really get into these defenses and learn every sign, every tip, um, that I can get my hands on because, uh, it's, it's a different game. And, and so this is an interesting time, Taylor, he gets to write the chapter, the final chapter of the 2022 season, while also possibly setting the tone for 2023 when Texas will have a, a young but talented quarterback room uh, that will include Arch Manning and a healthy uh, Malik Murphy. So uh, lots of interesting stuff going on. And we've talked about uh, the Texas defense and just how incredible their resurgence has been this season um, playing, you know, really, really excellent football as the season closed, especially. And here you are, you got Pete Kwiatkowski, um, you know, getting to um, maybe close the door on this redemption season against his old team. Um, and uh, Alex Cook, the safety Uh, said today in the press conference, I still remember all the calls under Pete Kwiatkowski's defense. So if he hasn't changed the signals, uh, we're going to know what's going on. Um, And so, you know, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, There's a lot of interesting storylines here, but this Texas defense, Taylor, um, is going to have to do it again against one of the best passing quarterbacks, passing offenses, period. Um, Michael Penix, the quarterback, leads the nation in passing yards. They're loaded at receiver. Um, it's This is going to be a really uh, excellent final test for this Texas defense. Yeah, it really is. And, and you're right. You're spot on with them having to kind of answer the call once again. And um, But I would say one thing. I mean, DeMarvian Overshone not playing, obviously, changes it a little bit. But I think that Texas having the majority of their starters on defense available should play to their favor. Now, when you when you look at Washington, Chip, I'm I'm a, a I may be kind of 
sneak peek preview here of one of the love it or leave it questions today. But if you look at the teams they've played, I'm not sure that they've played any defense in college football that is on the same level as, as Texas has been this year. And so, you know, obviously the familiarity that the players may have with Pete Kwiatkowski could, you know, uh, be an advantage for some of the, the Washington in general, honestly, but I mean, can you look at their schedule and say, oh yeah, they, they just outperform this defense that would, you would put on the same level as Texas defense. Well, I, I will say that Oregon game at Oregon where they came from behind to win it, uh, 37, 34, I would put that game on par with Texas going to K state and doing what they did. Oregon, um, is a top, you know, 15 team at their stadium at Outson stadium. I thought Michael Penix was really good in that game. I thought that was a wow game for me. And they beat Oregon State, the number 14 team in the country. Uh, those are the two games, obviously, that you circle and say, okay. And it's part of the six-game winning streak to end the year. But they had clunkers early. I mean, losing to 3-9 and nine Arizona State um, early in the season. Arizona State fired their coach. But they did finish the season well. And those Oregon games came in November, and that's when you need to be playing your best football. So this is a confident Washington team. I think they're, I think they're legit, especially on offense. Okay, I'm curious because, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I'll just be fully transparent here. I didn't watch a ton of Washington this season just because of the time difference. Honestly, a lot of times that... they didn't play USC or Washington. I mean, uh, right. USC or Utah. Correct. Yeah. And so, and I think their strength of schedule, I think right now is like around like the eighties or something where Texas is top 15 in the country, you know, facing Alabama, facing TCU, you know, uh, a college football playoff team, the big 12 beating the big 12 champion, Kansas state. I mean, um, I, 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 there's a part of me in this is kind of probably a, just, you know, looking too much at stats and I'll, pull a what was it must have champ that said stats are for losers so I'm going to pull his quote here that it uh, you know that that's where I'm really curious and kind of fascinated by this matchup with Washington because you know of the lack their lack of strength of schedule I guess you would say I, I mean that may be you know sounding rude and I'm not trying to I just I that it, that's where I'm kind of like how legit is this Washington team? I really would like to know. And Michael well, Penix, I mean, give him credit where credit's due. He was a Heisman, you know, one of the top 10 um, in the votes for Heisman. I think, what was he last? I think in the, or. He finished just ahead of uh, Bijan. Oh, that's he right. Was Did he was number yeah. eight. Bijan was number nine. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, but still, yeah. I mean, obviously Heisman voters saw something in him too. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a really good test, I think, for the Texas defense and I think it'll be a good challenge for Pete Kwiatkowski too. You know, I mean, he had his redemption season this year after that first year and he's got to continue it because we know better than anyone that Texas doesn't like to hold on to defense coordinators very long if they have, you know, um, negative seasons. So it's going to be really fascinating though. Well, I think it's interesting that Michael Penix, uh, his, the quarterback he looks up to is Teddy Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. Teddy Bridgewater, who I've said got Charlie Strong the Texas head coaching job because all of Strong's best seasons at Louisville included Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and after 
after that, uh, Charlie never had a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater again. I think Teddy, Bre- Teddy Bridgewater is a, a winner, and, I, and that's what I think Michael Penix is. And so I think fans, there's your, there's your uh, comp, if you will, um, for, uh, for, for Michael Penix. So uh, this Texas defense, the ability to collapse the pocket, the big boys are, are playing – uh, Keandre Coburn, Morrow, Jomo, uh, you know, uh, Byron Murphy, Vernon Broughton, Alfred Collins. And again, 15 bowl practices. You can make a lot of progress in that time frame. Let's see what, uh, what this group looks like. And let's see what the young guys like Mo Blackwell, uh, David Benda, uh, what, and David Benda is not a young guy, but he, he's going to get a chance, uh, to fill in for DeMarvian Overshone and and Mo Blackwell is clearly a guy that this uh, coaching staff is very high on teammates talk about his uh, intensity his want to and and we've seen that from Mo Blackwell and uh, in the limited time that we've seen him on the field so he's definitely a name uh, to keep an eye on um, as as this game gets going and Taylor, we did have just a weird moment today in the press conference when Xavier worthy was asked, uh, are you going to be a longhorn in, in 2023? And he said, I'm just focused on this game. And I was told after, you know, that's worthy being worthy. Um, it it was weird. It, It just, I don't know what's going on, but, um, it, it, I was like, okay, you're a sophomore. So are you telling everyone that your teammates and everyone in Longhorn nation that your decision is whether to stay at Texas or, or go somewhere else after all the weirdness with his, uh, Instagram account, you know, wiping it of Texas stuff, putting the Texas stuff back on. Now he's changed his number from number eight to number one. Uh, because Hudson Card used to wear number one and Worthy wore number one in high school. He's been waiting uh, patiently for it to maybe become available. As soon as it did, he said he went to Sarkeesian, said he wanted to be number one. So he's going to be number one in this game now, Taylor. What did you yeah. make of it? I mean, I don't know. I, it, it's it's a – I'll just, I'll just say it. Like, this is a different um, game that we are dealing with, with dealing with, like, you know, NIL – and that type of stuff and that impacting a lot of these players' decision if they stay at a school or transfer and also the transfer portal as well, like kind of being there in, in an option um, without any type of penalty. So it's still kind of a new thing for me when I hear these type of things, because you're right, you know, when we're saying this, like, it's not like he's talking about entering the NFL. He can't. He literally cannot. So he's literally talking about whether he's going to stay or go at Texas. And it's just, it's a new thing. It's, it sometimes can be a little bit of a shock when you hear that because it's so, it's so new for us, even covering, you know, college football. And I can't imagine for you, you know, covering it for almost 30 years now, I think it is now that you've covered college football. I mean, in Texas football, I mean, it's, it's just a unique situation. I will say, you know, he, I don't, I don't know how it's cause I'm, I don't want to like knock the questions. I feel like the question probably needed to be asked. Um, however, I don't know what people were expecting cause he's been kind of mum. And so I don't know. I, I, I don't really know how I feel honestly about the whole situation. Um, I feel like 
you know, if, if money is the the driver of all things for a guy like Xavier Worthy, and if that's if that and that's me speculating, if that is what is leading to him weighing potentially weighing his options, then Sark said it himself, you know, at, at the regular season, after the regular season in his press conference, like if you're only coming to a school for money, then you're not at the right school because that's not how they want how Sark wants to lead the program. It's not what even their recruiting pitch, you know, to uh, recruits, it's not, he said, Sark says it's one of the last things they talk about. Honestly, it's not something that drives their recruiting conversations with some of the top recruits in college football. So if what he is saying is in all actuality, the way that they do approach this, and if Worthy is considering this to try to get more money elsewhere, then is he the right type of player to have there? And I'm not saying that he he should do that. I'm not saying that that's what he's thinking. I mean, we just don't know because we get those mum responses. And, um, you know, I, I do think, though, the other thing is, is with him changing his number is probably kind of a way to cater to him a little bit um, right now after it became available. And I did ask him, actually, in the breakout interview sec- or, you know, uh, session that we had with the players today, I was like, uh, you know, I was like, or somebody asked um, about him changing his number. And he's like, yeah, so I, I feel kind of like back to myself. And I was like, you any faster in one? He's like, I feel like I am. I feel like I'm faster. <laughs> and so, hey, if that's the case, then that's good. Maybe it'll pay out. But I don't know. It's just such a weird situation, Chip, just to well, I, kind of I think you're it, right, right about the about the NIL stuff. I mean, look, if you've produced like Xavier Worthy, and you already have sort of a pro mindset, which he does. He wants to win. Mm-hmm. He wants to win, and he wants his talents to be featured on a winning team. I think he feels like he didn't have that this season, whether it's because Quinn Ewers is learning on the job and, and they didn't connect enough or or whatever. Uh, this is stuff only you know Steve Sarkeesian and Brennan Marion know. But in talking to people close to Xavier Worthy, and I wrote about this in The Insider a couple of weeks ago, This is a guy who gets to practice 30 minutes early. He's the first one to practice because he does all kinds of his own warm-up before he even starts with practice. This guy treats it like a pro. And I think his response today was exactly what you said, that it was, listen, man, I'm moment to moment. There are a ton of people who want me. Uh, I just sent out another signal for a new round of whatever you've got bring it to the table and then we'll see this is very much a business-minded guy and this is you're right it's a new era it's nil there's there are those out there agents who say every good player every really good player on every team should get in the portal at the end of that year and see what they can get because it's wide open right now the market you're never going to be more valuable than you know, after a, a big season. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I can see it. And, and this is, this is the world we're in and whether we like it as uh, fans or those who've covered the sport forever, this is the new world. Steve Sarkeesian always talks about how, you know, his dinosaurs and how, you know, the dinosaurs aren't here anymore because they couldn't adapt. And we need to adapt. Otherwise, we're going to be like dinosaurs and disappear. So, um, all right, Taylor, interesting stuff. It's been, I do feel like the Texas Longhorns defense uh, has a lot of confidence. Jade Barron had a good conversation with him, wrote about it 
in the morning brew. Uh, love that kid's confidence and swag. He is the unquestioned top trash talker on the team. I thought it was interesting. Jade told me that Ro Roshan Johnson was a close second. Um, and I'm like, Ro? He's like, oh, yeah, y'all think he's so nice and everything. That dude is nonstop talk on the field. He and I would go at it every day in practice. Um, and apparently, uh, Jade Barron and Jordan Whittington uh, do a wrap-off. Wherever they go, whenever, when you least expect it, they'll just start freestyling and go at each other. And apparently, it's some of the best entertainment the Longhorns have had. Uh, while going to SeaWorld and whatnot here in San Antonio. So uh, you learn it's great to come to these bowl games because you finally get them away from <laughs> they're, they're being run by a different media. Uh, from Texas Media Relations, just director. say it. Just say it. <laughs> so there's a little more chance to actually talk to the guys and get to know them a little bit. But, um, yeah, we learned Keandre Coburn's going to have a baby daughter yeah. uh, in the new year. and and all kinds of stuff. So uh, it's been it's been an interesting, active uh, lead up to this uh, Alamo Bowl Thursday night. And I'm not kidding, Taylor. I, there are some of these bowl games where you're kind of rolling your eyes. I think both of these teams are seen as teams that are headed in the right direction. You don't always get that in in bowl games, but um, both of these teams come in after a win. Uh, they're you know, Texas recruiting like crazy. Washington's been resurgent with Michael Penix, who says he's coming back for another year of, of sixth year of college football with his COVID redshirt. And so um, I do think that you're going to get two motivated teams in this game, which which should make it uh, a, an interesting, fun game to, uh, you know, to watch for fans. Yeah, and and also the the ties I think between between these two schools. I mean, Pete Kwiatkowski was just coaching at Washington a few years ago. Steve Sarkeesian's first head coaching job was at Washington. I mean, there there's so many different kind of storylines and different ties between these two programs that you wouldn't you wouldn't think. You know, it's not that you think like Texas and Washington; those are two schools that are really close. You know what I mean? Well, it's just it's a very unique one. And Steve Sarkeesian has totally changed uh, in terms of his like laid backness. All the reporters who covered him at Washington are like, oh, yeah, we talked to Sark all the time. We got to talk to the coordinators twice a week. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, we've we talked to them twice, <laughs> three times, three times, twice, sorry, right. three times, now, three times. Uh, usually it's only in August, but that's why we like coming to the Alamo Bowl because the Alamo Bowl asks for the coordinators. And uh, and so we got to talk to Pete Kwiatkowski and Kyle Flood uh, for the third time in two years. And uh, and and it's nice to talk to them because they're smart veteran guys. I really don't think they're going to say something out of out of school or out of turn if they were allowed to to speak during the yeah. season. Um, and it would be nice to have them answer the questions about why a offensive or defensive game plan was outstanding or subpar instead of these, uh, you know, 19, 18, 19, 20 year old kids who are, you know, just running the plays that are being called. But yeah. I digress. <laughs> yes, it, it has been fun to talk to the Washington reporters who knew Sarkeesian uh, when he it, he was a first time head coach at the age of 33. Um, and then, you know, obviously life got in the way for Steve Sarkeesian. He's a he's a different guy now. He's a 
he's probably more guarded and and thus i always say he's a little more saban than he is pete carroll these days but this is a, a real opportunity taylor texas has a four game bowl winning streak thanks to tom herman and he always had his teams ready to go even when you didn't think they might be ready to go like after he fires his defensive staff and has you know the assistance or defensive coordinator and has his assistants coordinating a successful bowl win over Utah. And then of course in 2020, they stomped on a, on a bad Colorado team, but this is, um, you know, four game bowl winning streak. And we know the importance of momentum going into the off season and, and Texas has been good at maintaining the momentum. Uh, we just had signing day. It was another big hoorah celebration. Now you need that momentum going in uh, to 2023 when you should be in a position to contend uh, for the for your what we hope is the last uh, time that they'll be playing in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and and one thing that you do also have to consider, I know that that's how a lot of fans expect. Like three years, you should start. You know, if you, if you're at a place like Texas, recruiting as well as Steve Sarkeesian and the staff are recruiting, they should be able to, you know, kind of continue it. Um, Texas will lose a lot on defense, though this next year and they will have to replace a lot of experience on that defense. Um, and it's at pretty much every single position, defensive front, you know, defensive line, linebacker, secondary, everything. So there's going to be some holes and some gaps, I would say on the, the two deep for Texas that are going to be questions going into the off season. But, but offensively, you know, in, and I will say also offensively, you lose, uh, in my opinion, the best, well, not even just my opinion, he won the freaking Doak Walker award. So he is named the best running back in college football in, in B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who was really just a Swiss army knife for the Texas offense. Um, both of these guys, honestly. So there, there's definitely some key playmakers that they have to replace, but I do think that you're right in saying that Steve Sarkeesian and same with, you know, the Washington program, it seems like they're, they're trending in the right direction. And that's all you can hope for. I think if you're a Texas fan, I mean, to come off of a, five and seven season, then the staff ends up, you know, signing that, that 2022 signing class, really crushing it in the transfer portal with the additions of guys like, um, you know, Quinn Ewers, Ryan Watts. I mean, Isaiah Nayer, we haven't even seen yet because he injured himself the what first or second week of fall camp. I mean, they, they did such a good job and now you're seeing some of the results on the field. You hope to continue to see that. I think the biggest thing that Texas does have working to its advantage moving forward, Chip, is the offensive line. I mean, and I, I didn't, I didn't think we would be able to say that at this point right now. Um, I haven't said that much in my career about the offensive line potentially becoming a strength for Texas football because it's just been in such kind of a downward spiral. It seems like for the last decade plus. But you know, hearing just talking to Kyle Flood on Tuesday. And, you know, I, I asked him in our breakout uh, interview sessions, I said, I was like, have you ever had to rely on two true freshmen, let alone rely on them and then play up to a standard that you would think is good? And he was like, no, it's like never, never, ever in my, my career have I ever had to do that. He also talked about how, you know, he had never signed seven um, offensive linemen before in the class, which they had to do in 2022. These guys are all progressing. He was talking up Cam Williams and DJ Campbell a lot, you know, Cam Williams um, athleticism and how he is just a guy that, um, you know, 
he's he's probably progressing more than anybody else is seeing right now because they're seeing it in practice because he hasn't really been on the field like Kelvin Banks or like Cole Hudson. But I think the the trajectory of the offensive line under Kyle Flood is really what is going to kind of catapult Texas going into year three under Steve Sarkeesian because I think that you can't say enough about these guys and the experience they've gained as true freshmen and playing up to the level and the standard that they've played at. I mean, I would have, if you had told me this before the season, I would have been like, well, Texas probably playing for a big 12 title then, you know, soon if, uh, if I knew that. And because it's such a hard position to go from being a, you know, from high school to the college game. And um, I really think that that's probably the biggest strength that Texas has going into the future and that these guys are a year older too in, in the same system. Yeah. Yeah. The defense got it. Uh, got it right this season, and there's enough uh, experience carrying over that you're right. Um, you know, they are going to have some some holes to replace, but they do have some experience at, at the positions um, where uh, they're losing people, and you bring in an Anthony Hill, a Derek Williams at safety, Malik Muhammad at corner, uh, on top of all the talented corners that they have with Terrence Brooks, Jalen Gilbo, Xavion Bryce, Austin Jordan. Um, and I've said it and I'll say it again. One of the best recruiting jobs Sarkeesian and this staff did was holding on to all those young, talented players and not seeing those kids get in the portal and, and get lured somewhere else. So uh, kudos to this Texas staff for Really, you know, obviously they would have loved to hold on to Hudson Card, who's now announced he's going to Purdue. Uh, but he, um, you know, Hudson Card, they knew that was coming. So uh, outside of losing Hudson Card, you really didn't lose a, a guy who figures prominently in the two deep moving forward. So um, there's that's a vote for the Sarkeesian culture and and this bowl game will be another reflection of the Sarkeesian culture and, and Steve Sarkeesian calling a game that, um, you know, we've seen him just dissect teams and we've seen him uh, get away from maybe what was working uh, a time or two this season where he now looks back. So again, with 15 bowl practices, I know there was a lot of recruiting and a lot of signing day in there. The first week of bowl practices, Sark wasn't even really around. It was GAs running it. Uh, but certainly the second half of bowl practices uh, that, you know, Sark's been there and they've been game planning for this. So I'm excited. I'm ready. Uh, Taylor, uh, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am real quick, though. I want to say this. I thought this was really interesting that Pete Kwiatkowski talked about when he was asked about Jalen Ford and, you know, his kind of his breakout, you know, kind of um, season that I think a lot of people were not expecting and I think a guy that has not gotten a lot of the credit where credit is due for uh, some of the defensive players and some of the players in general, but mainly on the defense side of the ball that have stepped up is Tory Becton and the strength staff. I think that, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski made it a point to talk about that, that the amount of work that Jalen Ford has put in with the strength staff and a lot of the defensive players have done, they don't get the credit. And I that was the one thing I just think is important to, for some um, Texas fans to hear because, you know, I remember last year when the, you know, games were breaking down in the second half, a lot of the members of Horns 24-7's complaints a lot were on what's wrong with our strength staff. And really these guys have, have done an 
a, a really, really elite job, I would say, in year two um, after, you know, kind of having to train the guys in year one, which Steve Sarkeesian has talked about in the offseason and, you know, leading into the season this year. But I thought that was important to acknowledge it because I think that those guys are kind of the, in a sense, a little bit of the unsung heroes on the staff that never really get any type of credit or acknowledgement. So that was something that that really stood out um, when I heard Pete Kwiatkowski say that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And Tori Becton, um, you know, deserves credit. Uh, that guy is as much a mind shaper as he is a body uh, changer. So yeah. uh, you got to have that. Uh, it's a big reason why I think TCU uh, did so well this year. Um, you know, their uh, strength coach, uh, Kaz Kamadi, is uh, outstanding. And, you know, he was at Baylor under our Bryles when they were winning Big 12 championships. And he is uh, uh, he is a big time, you know, uh, mind shaper in addition to body changer. So uh, you got to have that. All right, Taylor, uh, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned because we have plenty more Alamo Bowl preview coming up. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chip, I'm uh, going to throw you my first love it or leave it. You ready? I'm ready. Love it or leave it. Texas not having B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson will severely impact the offense's production. Uh, you know, I'm going to leave this because it it shouldn't. I, I know that sounds a little crazy, but I, I'm a big buyer of Jonathan Brooks. I think he's a special talent, and I think he can handle it. And, and I think with Steve Sarkeesian's creativity and all these weapons that he can get into space, Xavier Worthy, uh, Keelan Robinson, we've seen it. I think this offense should be able to move the football against Washington's defense. Washington doesn't play a three high safety look where they're going to drop, you know, they're going to rush three and drop eight and, and disguise everything on on the defense i think they're a little more straightforward i think when yours is going to be able to see the field i just hope they continue to run the football with jonathan brooks and not just turn it into a a a throw-a-thon because we've pointed out when texas has attempted 34 passes this season they've lost those games um three games against alabama against oklahoma state and against tcu so um, Texas is good enough. The offensive line is good enough. 
run the ball, do what you do and play action, but don't, don't feel the need to throw it all the way down the field as much as we know Sarkeesian loves those deep shots. But Taylor, I'm going to, I mean, I know that sounds preposterous. There's no one who can replace B. John Robinson, but I don't think the offensive production should, you know, be severely impacted. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I would say not severely. I think that, as you said, like you can't replace B. John Robinson and honestly, Roshan Johnson. I mean, those are two guys that are very special. I mean, we've said all along, all season long, I feel like that Texas had arguably, if not arguably, <laughs> I you know, the best one-two punch in college football between those two when it comes to the running game. Um, and then their ability to also be, you know, consistent options in the passing game too. And so, um, but I do think, you know, that um, with every game, I feel like is help the offense with the offensive line kind of like, you know, continuing to get more experience and all of that. It starts up front. And I, I think that there's not really any reason to be concerned about that. And I, I think more so than anything, I mean, we kind of saw a little snippet of what Jonathan Brooks can do when Texas played Kansas. I mean, and in, I will say Kyle Flood did make this comment. He's like, I'm pretty sure that, and I, I'll have to check this, but he said that he was pretty sure that the longest run of the season was by Jonathan Brooks. And I think it was in that Kansas game. So, you know, I think um, it's the, the offense's production is going to probably be somewhat impacted. I wouldn't say severely uh, solely because of, you know, I think that the, the offensive line is going to help out, help open up the holes in the run game. And they, they've done that a lot. It wasn't like all of Bijan's carries were things that he was, you know, creating out of, out of nowhere. It was, he was getting help from the up front. So um, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to leave it. Um, but I do think it will be impacted some, just, I'm not sure severely would be the the word I would use. I just realized I'm like really glistening with these bright lights above my <laughs> head here. Sorry. Those halogen so, little, <laughs> or whatever they are. It's, I'm just glistening. <laughs> All right, love it or love it or leave it's it. A, it's a natural like angel halo, apparently. Yes, it's it's my uh, yeah. angelic glow. I know. I'm like in like a cave in my hotel room with like no lights on. It's like the devil and the angel over yeah. there. All right, love it or leave it. Number two on this heaven or hell version of uh, love it or leave it. Love it or leave it. Xavier Worthy being mum about his future with Texas is a major concern entering the offseason. I I think this has already been solved unless Worthy's going back to the well a second time, which, hey, it's NIL, baby. Get what you can get. Um, but I'm going to leave this because I talked to Xavier about him, his level of excitement, playing with, uh, Isaiah Nayer next year. He's a big fan of Jonte Cook, who he helped recruit here, uh, and Ryan Niblett. He's he's you know trying to get Jordan Whittington to stick around. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm gonna leave it too. I think that again, like the question, I feel like kind of had to be asked a little bit, um, but you know, I I think that the fact the behind the scenes stuff that maybe not everybody hears is are things that, you know, make me a little bit more confident and who knows, we could be dead wrong. I don't know. I feel like with him and Jordan Whittington, any, it could change any, any day, any day of the week, it could change right now. Um, but you know, when, 
when there was a lot of rumors when he removed all of the Texas stuff from his social media, I had heard from sources that that same day he had bought the whole team shoes and was taking some of the offensive linemen like out to dinner that night and stuff. So I really think there there's definitely speculation. And again, in this new era of college football that everybody's kind of trying to get used to, including people like Chip and me that have covered college football for at least 10 years. I'm the young one. So I uh, am the 10, the decade mark chips at like the three decade mark, uh, yes. but <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that one in. Um, but no, I think, I think it's just, you know, we're, we're kind of learning on the fly too, on how this stuff works a little bit. And so you never really, I never am going to sit here and say a hundred percent, this is going to happen just because you never know. But I do think that this is probably not as big of a concern as it looks in hearing and reading the comments and the transcript that he, um, you know, what he had to say about that. So I'm going to also agree. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this and I don't think it's a major concern right now. And who knows tomorrow we may have a different answer. I don't know. You just never know. Oh, yeah. And I feel like with Worthy and Whittington's kind of been that way where it could change any day. Yeah. And we're still waiting to hear uh, about Jalen Ford as well. That would be a monster blow. Uh, after the season he had, he should have won the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. All right, Taylor, love it or leave it, number three. All right, final one. Love it or leave it, Washington's record is more of a reflection on the lack of strength of schedule than it is for how elite this team is. You know, I'm going to leave this uh, because of what I said earlier. I, I feel like the wins over Oregon State and at Oregon uh, in November – uh, were were statement wins for this Washington team, especially having to come back from down a touchdown in the final three minutes of the game at Oregon, a team that got better after they got thrashed by Georgia uh, to begin the season. And Michael Penix showed me, you know, this is we're still waiting to see this from Quinn Ewers. You you you're judged by your ability to lead your team from behind late in a game in hostile territory. Uh, we saw it over and over again with Vince Young and, and Colt McCoy. Uh, and, um, heck, you know, Casey Thompson led Texas back from 21 down against Kansas last year to get into overtime. Um, and we're, you know, that's the sign of a quarterback that grabs your attention and says, okay, we, we got to watch this guy. Well, Michael Penix is a guy who his team believes in. They play for this guy. and. They are super confident at the quarterback position. It, this is, you know, they've been compared to Texas Tech and UTSA. I think they're, UTSA, UTSA is probably the better comparison from, you know, Frank Wilson, veteran guy, uh, knows what exactly what he's looking for, has good weapons around him. And people may say, Frank Wilson, we beat them. We beat we beat U, UTSA. Remember, that was a one-score game until Jotty Barron scored that pick six so uh in the third quarter i'm just saying i think michael Penix is better than frank wilson and i think his weapons are better um you know when you talk about roma dunze and um jalen mcmillan and taj uh oh heck taj this is the guy everyone keeps saying you gotta you gotta keep your eye on uh because he's he taj davis taj davis had the big touchdown against Oregon late in that game. So um, long story short, long story longer, Taylor, 
I'm going to leave this. How about you? I don't, I don't know. A part of me wants to love it, honestly. And, and, you know, what you're saying about Michael Penix and you using it as a comparison against Quinn Ewers, you're talking about a guy that's going into his, he's going to have a six year compared to a first time starter at quarterback. So it's, in my opinion, it's hard for me to put them even in the same category with Quinn Ewers and him solely because Quinn Ewers is still Yeah, but that makes Washington scary. That's the question, right? Yeah, but I mean, Texas played some pretty elite quarterbacks this year and the defense held up really well. Um, Bryce Young, at the time, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, you know, and Texas held Alabama to 20 points. So um, I think I'm going to just, I don't know. Because I feel like this, if I love this, I feel like it's going to be something that's going to bite me in the, you know what, (laughs) one day. But I'll love it. I'm going to disagree with you on one of these. I'm going to love it. I'm going to say that, you know, this is more, uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I might eat my words if I say this. So I'll just, I'll just say, I love it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to elaborate much more because I don't want to have the answer for yeah. it later, but just to disagree. No, I, I do think that Texas has played far better competition than Washington has played the, you know, the proof of the puddings and the eaten. And if you look at the records, of the wins that Washington has had, there are very few wins over those two. You know, Oregon State, Oregon are two of, I believe, three wins over teams that had a above 500 record. So for that, I'm going to say that the lack of strength of schedule is um, is probably something to pay attention to. But I don't want to say that Washington's not an elite team either. That's where I'm like struggling with this one because it's like, I'm kind of like in the middle where I do think that maybe the lack of strength schedule is why they have the record that they do. But I don't also want to say that they're not an elite team because I do think they are. You can't, I mean, winning 10 games is not easy in the Power 5 conference, and they've won 10 games. So they also didn't play the top two teams in their conference either, though. So. Well, it's going to be fun, folks. I think that tells you everything you need to know, that there's enough intrigue about this game Thursday night that we are actually going to learn some stuff about how much Texas has um, made out of its 15 bowl practices, where's Quinn Ewers in terms of his development, and and a look at some of the, the players who will be counted on next year because of the absences of guys like Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, and DeMarvian Overshone. So uh, it'll be fun, and we will be uh, on with you right after the game to talk about it. So uh, make sure that you tune right back in to Horns 24-7. Uh, the YouTube channel, of course, horns247.com. Uh, feel free to leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your uh, podcast. Our bosses really appreciate that. And we will um, get uh, you know, get on uh, these airwaves and, and talk about the game Thursday night, no matter how late it is. No matter. So, how, yeah. It'll be late. ready for too. that, Taylor? You in? I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I think... We have to be, right? The game yeah. starts at 8 o'clock, okay. so it's going to be a late yeah. night. Oh, but it's going to be late. It's going right, to be yeah. late. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be there for you. And uh, and so, everyone, hope you have a great uh, finish to the holiday season here. And for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Uh, until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my soul. I'm 
citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.